0: Really struggled with this this week and, and how far to go in this because there's so many different angles um, that are important uh, that we need to understand contextually um, in Romans chapter 12. So, we're going to cover verses three through eight today, or partly, and probably back up and cover a little bit of one and two, and then maybe get to eight. I don't know, but we will over the especially the course of the next couple weeks. There's just it's just a rich. Rich place in Scripture, um, as I've shared with you. You know that uh, this last section, you know, chapters 12, on deal with the will of God, which is important in all of our lives. You know, understanding the will of God. I titled this morning's message uh, "Living with Purpose," and and uh, and I hope as we study this, uh, the Lord just encourages us and exhorts us in the most strongest of ways. Uh, to live life with purpose. I mean, it's it's so sad, you know, you see every day the number of suicides uh, in our country and especially amongst young people that, you know, again, just, you know, you see that just lack of purpose, no purpose and and it's so sad because there is a purpose for our life and and it's not just a purpose, but that we were created with purpose. Everything about God is, is purposeful. And it should be in the believer's life as well. And so uh, that's why this is so important as we take time and really walk through this to um, be equipped as a church and how to help people and, and how to speak into their lives in a world that, like we, we discuss almost weekly, is uh, become increasingly darker. You know, as Larry was praying and sharing, you know, in, in worship, just... Uh, Everybody goes through something, you know, Um, everybody's dealing with something in varying degrees and the struggles of life are real. Um, You know, whether it's health issues or it's interpersonal relationships, whether it's financial, uh, spiritual. I mean, there's just no end to it. And and, uh, to see God's hand and to understand, you know, his ways and understand his will in the midst of all this, it's very, very important to the church. And so. We'll look forward to uh, studying this together we'll just take a moment here and we'll just pray and um, just invite the holy spirit to teach us today and to lead us and to encourage us and to grow us and father we come before you and thank you so much for a place Lord, that we have a church where we can gather uh, lord there's so many in so many different parts of the world have no place to go on a sunday uh, lord and yet we have these beautiful buildings, wonderful that protect us and keep us safe. And and uh, Lord, give us opportunity to be comfortable and and to um, learn and to grow and to use different means, um, whether it's you know here in a sanctuary or in a children's building, with uh, different ways to communicate using uh, televisions and videos and. We use in here just having screens with with words that we can follow along and having a a kitchen on our campus where we can prepare food and having refrigerators and freezers that are full of food. We're able to create a storehouse here on our campus. You have just blessed us uh, so tremendously. And we just want to say thank you. And yet, Lord, we know that there's something that you desire to do today. In, in the midst of your church, in the life of your church, to equip us, Lord, for good work. What we're here, uh, like Esther for such a time as this. And there is a, a specific thing, uh, but there's even a, a greater, general thing that, uh, Lord, you want to grow us in. And so, as we study the book of Romans today, and we we set our hearts and our minds to learn, may you knit us together, uh, Lord, in your love. May you unify us. May we have one mind, one heart, one purpose, Lord, and that, that's to, to glorify you, to magnify you. That's why we're here to sing your praise, to set our minds on the things up above. I thank you so much for these that would come on a Sunday morning. Lord, there's so many places that we could we could be, but Lord, to, to be where your word says that we need to be, not forsaking the gathering of the saints, but coming together and, and not just for ourselves, but to look for opportunity to serve and to stir one another up to love and to good works. And so we pray for those that are around us today, in front of us, behind us, beside us. Lord, like we said, we don't know what they're facing today, but Lord, you do. And God, may they be aware of your presence. May they know your strength and your power today. May we all grow in a greater understanding of your purpose in our life. And we just give you this time. We love you so much. And thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that you continue to lavish upon us lord and we again this whole month of november as we just count our blessings and are thankful god we are most thankful for you most thankful that you sent jesus to die on a cross that our sins could be forgiven lord help us never lose sight of that and so lord we we lift you up with the hope and the prayer that as we do today that you'll draw all men us everyone here in this sanctuary, watching online, draw us to yourself today, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, before we, we turn to uh, Romans chapter 12, turn in your Bible really quick to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and let me ask you as, as you're turning there, how many, your favorite place to go is the beach? You like to go to the beach. If you had your, your choice of destinations, how many like the mountains? How many like the desert? Is there anything? I've got a couple of you. Yeah, the desert can be beautiful at times. Not just don't want to be in a desert moment, right? Yeah, desert. Is, but and is there any other place that you like to go? You can throw that out. Wasn't the beach? Wasn't the mountains? Wasn't the desert? Any other place? Home. Yeah, <laughs> home. That's a good place. But no, have you? I. It's one of these things that's so funny. Living on a golf course, uh, talking with my neighbors. That, that I, we have wonderful neighbors, and and I was talking to Lee about this yesterday because I took some some Ritz crackers and I crumbled them all up and I threw them out on the golf course underneath the, this this palm tree that's right outside of our gate because there's wild geese and these wild geese come and they feed and and um, you know they love it and so I, I'll take a picture and I'll send somebody. And they go where, where are you at? You know, cause if you just box the picture in and all they see is this beautiful green grass and a tree behind it, it doesn't look like Bakersfield. Right. So I'm like, it's my backyard. And they go, where do you live? I go I live in Kern city, I live in a retirement community. These are ducks that are retired and they come over and they live on the golf course and you know, they can't fly South. They're too tired. So they just stay there in Kern city. And, and get fed by people like me and there's all kinds of people that you know that do that but sometimes you know i'm usually up really early and not because i want to be let's let's just get that straight it has nothing to do with being spiritual okay it's my body hurts i can't sleep so i get up anybody relate to that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i get up and i'm sitting in my chair and it faces east and we don't have curtains on any of our, our windows in the in the dining area it 's just big sliders and it 's got windows on the side of it, and it 's just open and I can see the sun come up there 's a positive thing and a negative thing to that. I love watching the sun come up, but as soon as it does, guess what it 's blinding me and then I'm, I'm, and leo come in i 'm like doing this i 'm like trying to find something to kind of hide the sun behind so I can still read without you know switching chairs but i 'll look there and it 's some of the most beautiful moments, you know, when I think of my life and just seeing the different colors in the morning, now it goes from black to like a a blue and then a purple and then to an orange. And, you know, think that, you know, that is, it's so amazing. And then you go into the beach and I remember in particular one year going to the beach when I was diagnosed with heart disease and, and I'd had a test done. And, and, it, and when I went to the beach, it was probably the worst moment to really go because I went in and had an angiogram on, on a Friday, and it failed and so what they were going to ultimately do was they were going to do a single bypass surgery they were going to send me down to Cedar Sinai in Los Angeles and do this and and we were going to the beach that weekend, so we went to the beach and then I was coming back and and uh, and i 'm sitting there at the beach and i'm i 'm just looking out over the ocean and it 's just so calm and I just remember just so. Tranquil and so peaceful, and, and you think that, you know, of all the things that we try to do to find peace, and here I am, just I'm staring at God's creation, right? Just staring at the ocean, and and ha- just like not having a care in the world. And Lee and I were just kind of, and you go, and it's just it's just, oh, it's just the ocean, you know, and and it's just so amazing. And the and the waves are crashing on the shore, and there's a, there's a rhythm to it. And I mean, you know, going to sleep at night, just having the window open, you know, the place that we stayed was right on the, right on the beach. And I mean, you just hear this, it's kind of funny. I recorded it and I sent it to some friends and they go, man, how do you sleep? Because on the recording, if you do it, it's, it just sounds like static. Right. And it's really funny. So I'm sending this and it's going like, this is what it sounded like. It went. (laughs) And they go how do you sleep to that? And I go, well, it's, it's weird. It's, something's not coming through in the translation on the phone. You know, I go, but it's just, it's tranquil. And I think of all these things and they're just, they're beautiful. And and they can provide so much peace. And, and you think, God, it's just like, you know, think of his majesty, right? You go to the mountains and you see, you know, the trees. If you go up the giant redwoods and you're looking at these things, and you're just going, oh my gosh. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, how majestic, you know, is God. And then you think about this, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter two, look at this in verse 10, but it says, for we are God's masterpiece. I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, we've seen some beautiful things in creation, haven't we? And yet those things pale in comparison to you. And this isn't one of those, you're not trying to make a warm, fuzzy you know, Bible study. Now, if that's the way you take it, that's great. I, I hope that. But that's not the intent of it. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. I want to make sure before I go any further, don't mistake this. Don't think what I'm saying is he created you for a... Purpose, but instead rather that he created you with purpose. And there's a big difference there. And oftentimes, like I said, it's so sad because, you know, people will, uh, especially, you know, in counseling with people that have, uh, have sinned and fallen and believers, and I'm not talking about non-believers who come, but, but believers who come and they will go, you know, Pastor Mike, and, and then confess, you know, something that they did. And they feel like that ruined their life. It might have ruined that chapter of their life, but it hasn't ruined their life. Because Jesus came to give us what? Life. And life more abundantly. And yet, what I have grown to understand through the years, it's they understand something, but they're missing, you know, something. Is they'll, they'll think, oh, you know, yes, I... I had a purpose and I blew it and I sinned. And you go, yes, and you did, and you blew that purpose. But that's not your only purpose. It wasn't that you were created for that one thing. And it's so sad because we have recovery ministries here at our church. And you and if you've ever been in that environment or you've gone to a bar and you, and people will come out of it and they go, man, I just can't stand that anymore. And I go, well, what is it? You know, I was never into the bar scene. So I go, they go, all they do is they sit around and they get drunk and they talk about what they did way back then. They're reliving or rehashing what? Maybe a glory moment for some. And for others, it's a painful moment. You know, I mean, most country Western songs, you know, that are hits were birthed out of what? Pain and sorrow. You know, it's a terrible thing. And yet, people will look at that and they'll go, oh, you know, I I missed it, I I ruined it, I had a purpose, and 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 it's destroyed. And you go, no, no, because Jesus came to do what? To redeem, to restore that which was what, which was lost, which was broken. And, and so I look at this and I'm going, you know, it's so so important that as Paul goes into chapter 12 is we can't forget what did he say in Romans chapter 11 he said that the gifts and the calling of God he was speaking about the nation of Israel in particular but he said but the gifts and the calling of God are what what did he say they're irrevocable or they're without reproach meaning that what he doesn't withdraw it he doesn't take it away And what was true for Israel is true for me and for you as well. Let's read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. You can read whatever translation you have. And that's the best translation because it's the one that you read and you enjoy. I'm going to read from the NLT. It says this. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul the apostle. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously, and if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You know, and I love that. It reminds me, in short, remember that that statement, and I've shared it with you often, is that your life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift to God. And so Paul is sharing that partly here in Romans chapter 12. If you're a note taker, you might write these other passages down. And this is why I said I can't get all into this today completely. Because I want to spend some time talking to you about spiritual gifts. And there's all different thoughts with regard to spiritual gifts. You know, are the gifts for today or certain gifts for today. You know, there's a group called, you know, cessationists. Um, that believe certain gifts don't exist any longer. They died out with the apostles. And then there are certain gifts, you know, that, that are still good today. I mean, you look at, we have, you know, uh, fundamentalist evangelicals, and we've got the charismatics and the Pentecostals and everything in between. And, and uh, so people are very confused about, you know, really what the gifts are. Are they for today? And uh, so we want to spend some time, you know, walking through that, you know, what the scripture says. I think the key to the whole thing if there's a word, it'd be the word balance. You know, it's it's one of the things that we see is just people go to a far extreme of one thing. And I think one of the mistakes that we make, uh, well, I know we do. Uh, you know, I, I've served on staff at an Assembly of God church and you know, very charismatic, um, you know, exercise the gift of, of tongues and, and, you know, pretty much every service that's there. And because when that becomes, you know, the thing that you, if you look at the Assemblies of God, the first um, you know, article of faith is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to those that are in the assembly of God is the speaking in other tongues, and I didn't hold to that. I remember reading that, and I was like, "Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that everybody has the gift of tongues. It is a gift, but not everybody has it." And so, then to make that the demarcation or the evidence of you know baptism with the Holy Spirit, I think it's a far leap. And that's why I talk about things being extreme. Um, and so, you know, as we look at this, it's important to look at it according to what the scriptures teach us. And so, you know, we'll look at, you know, some passages here over the next couple of weeks, you know, here in Romans chapter 12. We won't get into it even that deep today. Ephesians chapter 4, and then a couple of places in 1 in Corinthians chapter 12, maybe even a couple other places. You know, there's, you know, depending on who you're talking to and who's counting, there's somewhere, you know, twenty-seven, thirty you know, spiritual gifts, you know, listed in scripture. It's not an exhaustive list, you know, or excuse me, it's not, you know, an exact list or exhaustive. It's just, there's, there could be others. Uh, but these are the things that, like I said, are listed for us to, to look at. They're known as spiritual gifts. The most important thing is that we understand today, if, I want to make sure that we're clear on this, is that when people ask, you know, are spiritual gifts for today? Absolutely. The church can't function Without spiritual gifts, and so important. And secondly, and to know, you know, every single believer has a spiritual gift, at least one. Uh, Most have more than one, uh, whether they exercise it or not. Um, But it's important that we understand that, and that those spiritual gifts help us to fulfill the purpose of our life, not a purpose. And like I said, that's, you know, and so many with in the study of spiritual gifts, and I think you know we've. We've swung the pendulum here, even at Calvary Chapel, too far at different times. Um, You know, I love that there's gift tests and personality tests and all these type of things. But I think, um, hopefully I can be clear in this today, those can become extreme. It's like that becomes the goal. You know, spiritual gifts, and I want you to understand this, so hear me in this. I don't want to mislead you in this. Spiritual gifts are not the end goal, Okay. You might write that down. They are not the end goal. They are the means to the end goal, okay? And there's a big difference because there are churches that make spiritual gifts everything about the church. And it becomes the end goal. And it's why Paul will warn us here not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. The goal is Christ, amen? And and it's to be transformed, as Paul said, into the image of Christ Paul writes, you know, the Christ who is the head, who's the face of the church, Jesus. That's what people should see. You and I, we're in the sense hidden members for the most part. You know, we make up bones and skeletal, you know, ligaments, you know, all the things, and it's a beautiful picture. And we'll spend some time talking about that over the next couple of weeks because, like I said, I think it's it's critically important. I appreciate, you know, John. Uh, Jones, John was teaching this, you know, within our men's Bible study, just taking time and walking through spiritual gifts so that guys could understand, you know, what are the gifts? You know, how do they operate, you know, within the church? And then to pray for those gifts, pray that God would, would pour out the gifts of the spirit upon the church, because there's a reason for it. It's so that we can encourage one another, that we can edify one another, that we can build each other up. That that's the goal. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing and that the world would ultimately, you know, be reached for Jesus Christ, but He's given us, like I said, and these come from God as well. You know, natural talents and abilities, um, but He's also given us, you know, uh, natural talents and, and spiritual gifts that have nothing to do with natural or human ability. They're spiritual endowments that come from God Himself, and they have a very specific spiritual purpose—not necessarily a purpose, but Purpose, and, and we'll we'll keep belaboring this point, you know, over the next few weeks here. Um, but like I said, you know, there's many in the church today that, you know, that it's all about finding your purpose, and we've done that sadly in the churches that we make church about the individual instead of about Christ. So you're here, well, you know, what's it's, it's almost like what's what's in it what's in it for me, you know. And like I said, uh, and sadly, you know, and I've sat with many people who have struggled because of sin in their life and they just believe they miss their purpose. And and I'd love to encourage them and remind you today that no, even if you did fail at a specific thing, and we can all do that, that what God has called us to do, there's still purpose today. You know, he, he redeems us. He restores us, you know, uh, he restores my soul. Amen. That's one of the things that we love about Jesus Christ. And so, you know, as we study the word of God, you know, um, there's just no way that you could ever come to the conclusion that you don't have a gift and that you don't have a calling upon your life. You know, I, have read this a few weeks ago and it, and it's still just kind of lingering in my mind almost every day. And especially as I was studying this, this week with regard to spiritual gifts, I said, you know, many people, you know, young and old, they're looking in all the wrong places for all the right things. And I I think that's true in the church as well. I know it's true in the world that the the people pretty much want the right things, but they're looking in the wrong places. You know, as Augustine, he put it like this, he said, you know, there's a God shaped void in every heart that only God can fill. And I I looked up suicide uh, specifically. And I was, I was trying to remember he was the owner of, or the founder, I think it was either sharper image and then whatever the other store that's what's the other store that's like sharper image. Yeah. Brookstone. I think that's the guy. Um, and the founder of it, he had committed suicide at a very young age. I don't even think he was 40 years old or he was just right at 40 and he was married. I remember reading this and it just blew me away. This guy was married and he had a couple kids and everything and had just like the life that, you know, pretty much everybody would just want. And he, he takes himself out and he, he wrote a very detailed suicide letter. And in that letter, you know, he thanked, you know, his wife and his kids for bringing him the joy that they had and everything. And he just kind of went back and he just put it like this and just, you know, the nutshell version of it. He said, you know, I've, I've lived my life. I've accomplished everything that I set out to do and and everything that was on my list. I've done, there's nothing left for me. So I'm checking out. And it's like, you go, wow, there's a guy that missed his purpose in life. Because God's the one who chooses you know, the, the day that we check out in that regard. And to think that you, know, that you just looked at this list, it was, he, he missed it. And yet, you know, he had finances, you know, he, he had wealth. Uh, I think he lived down in Laguna Niguel, um, you know, just a really beautiful part of Southern California. Just had it, you know, as the world said, had it all. But what does the Bible say? What does it profit a man, what? To gain the whole world, but to lose his soul. And what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, if we could talk to that man now. Augustine also said, he says, everyone who's pursued pursued satisfaction knows, I think. No, 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 this was a, a book I was reading um, and I love this quote from it. He said, everyone who's pursued satisfaction in this life apart from God has felt the pain of raging and unfulfilled desire, as well as the pain of desire fulfilled, but strangely unsatisfied. Man, and there's so, so much truth to that. I mean, you think about, and I was, I was looking for images of this, things that, you know, had a purpose. And then, uh, and, and one of the things I was thinking of was like, imagine this. How many, by show of hands, you're familiar with the horse secretariat? You, you remember seeing the movie? Yeah. Probably one of the greatest race horses of all time. Can you imagine seeing Secretariat pulling, you know, a wagon, like in a parade? And people would look at that. I mean, in its hay, in his heyday, you know, they'd look at that and they'd go, what? What a waste. What a waste. And you go, why? And you go, because that's not what it was created for. Or I thought, you know, I always liked, you know, when uh, when I was in high school, Magnum PI. Remember he had that Ferrari 308 GTS. It was red, buckskin interior, targa top, you know, on it. And, and I remember I love that car. And I imagine seeing that car with a with a trailer hitch on it. <laughs> Just to have the trailer hitch. Doesn't even have to have a trailer pulled behind it. You'd look at that thing and you go, what are you thinking? You do not put a trailer hitch on a Ferrari 308 GTS. No it would just seem like, what, just such a waste. I mean, are there any Tom Brady haters in here this morning? Okay, so you'll like this one, because you'll go, yeah, you But I was thinking of you know, my son loves Tom Brady. We have a grandchild named Brady, and, uh, and just loves, you know, my son played quarterback and everything, and that's the connection there. But can you imagine Tom Brady? working the football toss at the Kern County Fair. Like that's his thing. You'd go, what? And then somebody would go, yes, I wish that's what. You're just, you're, you're just mean. <laughs> but no. But uh, you go, it would be such a waste. Because you go, they were, they were made for so much more. And, and, I, and I want you to think about those things today because we were made for so much more. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There is a purpose, not a purpose, there's purpose and meaning to our lives and and that's found in our personal relationship with Jesus. This was the quote by Augustine. It said, Lord, thou madest for thyself and we can find no rest till we find our rest in thee. It's so true, until we find our rest in Jesus. You know, like I said, for many people, you know, they know their purpose. They know their gifts. They know their talents. They're fully aware that God created them and he gifted them. I mean, they read the Bible. Like I said, they've taken spiritual gifts tests. They've taken personality tests. They've identified them all, but what? But they're not using their gifts. And that's true for some of you today that are right here, right now. First service, second service, watching online. You have gifts, but you're not using them. And I can tell you, and if you're not, There's a God-shaped void in your heart. If you're really honest about it, you go, you cannot be satisfied until you find your satisfaction in him. So, so important that we understand that. I put my notes in all truth. When you know your gift and you're not using your gift, you are quenching the Holy Spirit. You are quenching the Holy Spirit in your life. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. Because you're refusing to use the gifts that God has given you. Now, I didn't say you've lost your salvation. That's not true. We are saved by what? God's grace through faith. And not of works which any man can boast. But you will not live a fulfilled life until you begin to exercise the gifts that God has given you. Have you ever given somebody a gift and they didn't do anything with it? You ever bought somebody something and then, you know, seen it either, you know, it's like, you know, I always think of you know our, our grandkids, I mean you like to spoil them, but not not like with just stuff, because there is this truth. And and I totally believe that. I saw it again yesterday. Our our granddaughter Quinny just turned five and she had her her little friend, you know, party at Rollerama yesterday, and she got gifts, and her little brother Brady, you know. She opens a present, she takes it out, throws the box on the ground, and Brady picks that box up, and he thinks that's the best thing since sliced bread. And it reminded me of that, that statement that said, the more expensive the toy, the more likely the child will play with the box that it came in. And it was so true. And and yet, you know, you can buy somebody a gift, and they, if they don't use it, it, it can frustrate you. It doesn't mean that your relationship's over with, but you love to give gifts to people that what that appreciate them and and use them i mean those are the things that you go wow because you see the pleasure and that's what spiritual gifts are about they're like i said your life is god's gift to you what you do with your life is your gift to god and he's given you the means he didn't give it to us because we deserved it he gave us spiritual gifts because he loves us ephesians 4:30 Puts it like this: says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, He has identified you as one of His own, guaranteed that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So, like I said, there's a huge difference between knowing your purpose and fulfilling your purpose. So, what is the purpose of the local church? When you think about the church that we're all part of, every church, in one sense, shares the same exact purpose. That's what makes us the church. It's to do what? It's to make disciples, right? It's to go into all the world making disciples. God didn't say, you know, how many? He didn't say, you know, how big the church was supposed to be, but we were to dedicate our lives to making disciples, making disciples of people. In other words, you could say, you know, your goal and my goal, our objective with our life is to make Jesus famous. People, he is famous, and you go, but there's all kinds of people that don't know him. They don't know he's famous. And to be able to tell other people about him, to make Jesus famous in their lives as well. You know, you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 in particular, the birth of the church. Everybody had a purpose. Says so they were what? They were all in one accord there. The Holy Spirit fell on each person that was there, and he distributed gifts And then they began to use those gifts to what? To stir one another up, to love each other, to care for one another. And then it says the world, you know, the non-believers saw how the church was responding to one another. Basically, they were saying, hey, I want in on the action. And it says, and then the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. And it's such a beautiful picture when you think about that. But before the gifts of the Spirit were ever poured out on the church, the church had to do something they had to come together. If the church didn't come together, you know, and I always think about this on the day of Pentecost. So before, did Pentecost just happen when Jesus, when he ascended? And he says, you know, tarry, right? Wait, Terry, have you ever tarried for something? Ah, ah. And it says, and not many days from now. Do you think everybody that started in the upper room ended up in the upper room? Yeah, there were some people going, you know, I'm out of here. I got stuff to do. I mean, I was good for the first day, you know. Holy Spirit didn't come. I I think what happens in that is the Holy Spirit just is doing what? It's you know weeding people out because love is what? It's patient. going preferring one another in love. Look at there in, in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 because here's Paul affirming this to us. You know, before the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like I said, before we can really comprehend and understand and get into the the gifts of the Spirit, we have to understand what was Paul saying in context there in verses one and two. Before the gifts were actualized, something had to take place. They had to come together first, right? As they came together, there were two things that we see in those two verses there, one and two. There was consecration. See, people will go, oh, I want a gift. I want this. I want a spiritual gift. I'll take a test. I'll take a personality test but there's no consecration. There's no personal holiness. There's no, as Jesus said, when we pray, we pray what? Not my will, but what? But thine be done, right? Yeah. See, a lot of times people want spiritual gifts because they want them for themselves. We see that in the book of Acts. Hey, how much is that? I want that gift. I want to be able to do that. I'll pay you for it, right? And people want that. They see a certain, go, oh, I want that one. Paul did say in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, we should what? Earnestly desire the greatest gifts. But what are we desiring? Scripture says the man who, or woman who delights themselves in the Lord, there's the key, right? God will give them what? The desire of their heart. And you go, why would he do that? And you go, because your desire is his desire. You're not wanting it for yourself. You're wanting it for God's glory, for his good. So before you ever, you know, because you might be here today and you go, I have prayed, Pastor Mike, for spiritual gifts. I've wanted that and it hasn't happened. And you go, have you consecrated yourself completely to God? Have you given yourself completely to him? Paul says it's your reasonable (laughs) act of worship. That's the obvious thing that you should do. But it's not so obvious because so many people don't do it. And then are you being transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Are you going, no, I want what God wants. You know, I I want whatever he wants for me. That's what I want. I love that expression that says God gives his greatest gifts to those who leave the choice to him. Such a wonderful thought. God gives his greatest gifts to those who leave the choice to him. See, being consecrated, transformed, that's God's method of turning our our learning, you might say, into living and our beliefs into behavior. J.B. Phillips, in his translation of Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says this, With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove... In practice, that the plan of God for you is good. It meets all his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. Romans 12:3 goes on. It says, because of, of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul said, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. So what Paul is saying is, you know, through the grace that God has given to us, he chooses to give us these gifts of the Holy Spirit. They have nothing to do, like I said, with a sense of merit. We don't deserve them. We didn't earn them. God gave them to us because why? He loves you. That's why he gave it to you. But Paul warns believers here in verse three that nothing, nothing can put a stop to you being used by God quicker than pride and arrogance. Why? What does scripture tell us? God resists what the proud and he gives what grace to the humble. I had a high school football coach. I remember my senior year and uh, he did two things. He brought a bucket out of with water in it and he, and he had it. It was full. And he says, I brought one of the guys over and he goes, stick your arm in there. And he stuck his arm in, and he goes, splash it around and splashed it around. and He goes, pull it out. And he goes, where's the hole? And he goes, there isn't one. And he goes, and that's how it is on this team. He goes, you can come here. You can splash around and make all kinds of noise. Think you're something special. And he goes, and then pull it out. And he goes, and where's the hole that your absence will make on this team? He goes, it's not there. We're like, ooh, that's a pretty good analogy. And he goes, and I want you to know something though. He goes, every one of you is an asset on this team. He goes, but if you don't listen to what I'm saying, you will be an ass. Set on the bench. I remember going home and talking to my parents. I like, go, what did he mean by that? And he goes, honey, asset, asset on. Oh, that's like the joke about the, there's, a, there's 30 cows that are out standing in a field. 28 chickens. How many didn't? Yeah. People go, two. No, the answer is 10. You can figure it out later. Okay. All right. So, in some of your translations there in verse 3, it says to think soberly. You know, I think we all understand that alcohol is not the answer, right? Alcohol is not the answer. It just makes you forget the question, right? I love this. I saw this yesterday. It says, telling a woman to calm down who is drunk works about as well as trying to baptize a cat. Okay? Yeah. Sober thinking. That's what God is telling us there. And I think you understand the point. You know, confusion's avoided when we're sober-minded, and that's how the Lord wants us to approach spiritual gifts in a sane and a balanced way. Like I said, because believers, they'll, they'll make two common mistakes here, Paul would point out. They either think too highly of ourselves, we overvalue ourselves. I've had to have that conversation with, with staff members at different times through the years, and it's so sad. You know, they'll go, you know, I don't think you value my opinion. I don't think you value, and I go, no, I do. I go, sincerely, I do. I go, I just don't value it as much as you do. There's a, there's a difference there. You, you, you are putting way more value on your input than I do. I, I do appreciate it and I do listen to it. But if I don't act upon it psychologically, you think I'm not listening to you. And I go, I am listening. I just don't agree with you. There's a big, big difference there. And then you have people that what? They undervalue themselves. They think too little of themselves. Those are like the sin of commission and the sin of omission. You can be just as guilty. Like it's a false sense of humility for many people. Oh, I just don't think I have the gift. And you go, what are you doing? You're slapping God in the face. He's the one who gifted you and did not exercise that gift. There's no such thing as an ungifted Christian. That, that's really the point here. If we're going to minister to people, we've got to accept ourselves Accurately, First Peter five five says, "In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble." Romans twelve four goes on. It says, "Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function." Again, that word function there means that which you do. You have a function. Though we be in many, we are one. We are created to be interdependent, connected to Jesus. I didn't didn't know this. I looked this up. Did you know that when a baby's born, it has somewhere between 270 and 300 bones? And then they fuse over time. We end up basically it was about 270. Just fascinating. You know, the human body, how it works together. You know, I love the analogy that Paul uses there. The church is a body. It was meant to be together. It's meant to function as a unit though we are distinct, though we are separate. I probably could have John explain this better than I could. The immobility of God, that God needs nobody. He needs nothing. He's self-contained. And yet, when you think about the church, we need one another. God doesn't need us. He wants us. That's, that's the beautiful thing about God. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. But he loves us and he has a desire for us. Us, on the other hand, at times will go, I don't, I don't want you because I'm mad, right? But I need you. And that's really how it is for the church. That's why God calls us how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren do what? Dwell together in what? Unity, yeah, division doesn't ever work for anything. It just it just breaks it apart. There's a paradox there. But we need, we need one another. That's why God gave us the church. That's why sometimes we fight against the church. Verse 5 there in Romans 12, it says, So, it says, it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. So I'd tell you this, you know, are the gifts of the Spirit for today... Absolutely. Yes. And we'll, we'll get into this in the, in the days ahead. Again, when you think about the gifts of the spirit and people will say, well, we don't, you know, I, 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 I'm a cessationist. I believe those particular gifts, you know, went out with the, the apostles or they just kind of came to you know, an end by themselves. They didn't stop, and we'll get into word studies here, but it ceased, meaning it just came to an end. Nobody really knows, but, you know, because we've got the, the, the Bible, you know, we don't need that. And, I'm, and I read this, and I read both sides of the argument, and I'm going, let me just ask you a question. Do we need today any less of a manifestation of the Spirit of God than they did 2,000 years ago? I'd say no. I'd say maybe more, (laughs) the further you get away from something, right? You know, the, the actual life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, all of a sudden it becomes folklore to many people. I mean, we need, we need the Holy Spirit today (laughs) in a, in a vital way the, the pouring out of God's spirit, you know, that, that validates, you know, God's word in our life. And he does that through the church. He does that through our individual lives as we, again, consecrate ourselves to God. I want you to think about this, you know, because maybe you're here today and you're going, I, I, don't, I don't even know what my gift is. And you go, God hasn't shown it to me. And then that could be true. Because if you have not set yourself apart to God, why would he? Because it isn't an end in itself. It is a means to an end that you go, God, I want to live for you. And I am, I am setting my heart on the things that are up above and not on the things of this earth. And that transformation begins to take place within your life. And then something happens within us. As Paul said in first Corinthians 13, he talks about love, love being, you know, people say, well, yes, love is all that matters. And you go, that's true, but it's a love of God. It's a love for God. And it, it is a desire for people to experience the love of God. And that's what he says, desire. So again, Understand this as we move forward in the days ahead. As we look at these gifts, it starts with consecration. It moves to transformation. And then you see, you know, he says, you know, there should be an examination. We should examine ourselves to see, are we in the faith? I mean, are we, are we where God, you know, I mean, I need to make a, a, a safe evaluation, a sober-minded evaluation of myself, my wife before God. And as I do that, that humbles me out. Because you're not the measuring stick. Jesus is. If we're going to compare ourselves to someone else, who should we compare ourselves to? Jesus. And as Paul said, all of what? <laughs> Send and fall short of the glory of God. God, I need your spirit. I need your power to live the life that you have saved me to live. I cannot do it on my own. And then begin to seek those things that are above. To begin to pursue, he said, desire the greatest gifts. And you look at that. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, Instead, it says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts of the body grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 1 Corinthians 12:18 says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 27, it says, But our bodies have many parts. God has put them where he wants them. How strange a body it would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, the Head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are the ones that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts of, that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have the less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 12, verse six, and he says, and in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with much faith, as God has given you, he says, and if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You know, And we'll take a look at those next week. We'll look at the different gifts Uh, that we find in scripture but I'd ask you this because I think it kind of puts it into perspective as we close remember that old that old statement that said if everybody in the church was just like me what kind of church would my church be and then I always I always added this to it and I'd ask you if everybody in the church was just like you what kind of church would this church be and the bigger question is, would you attend it? And I look at that and I go, and I say to the honest thing, if everybody's like me, I wouldn't go there. That's why I need John. You know, That's why I need you. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, when God knits us together in his love. And we recognize the uniqueness of the gifts, the different gifts that are there. And guess what? God, every gift is unique because he gives it in different proportion. It could be the same gift, but he gives it out, you know, as by his grace in different proportions even. So again, the key is to do what? Is to discover your gift. And that you have purpose in your life. But you'll never find it until you come to that place that you go, God... I am going to give myself completely to you. And that's what Paul said. It's the logical thing to do. And then to allow the word of God to begin to transform your way of thinking. I don't mean denominationalism. I don't mean reading a whole bunch of commentary. It is Read the Bible and let God speak to you. And, and again, we need, to, we need to be able to break the word of God down so that we can understand what was it saying. And we'll do that over the next couple of weeks. And then our, really our prayer is you go, all those gifts are out there someplace. In different measures, different degrees, but they're out there. And what we need to be praying is God equip the saints for the work of ministry, so that there's nobody here that week in and week out can't get their their almond milk. Amen. I mean, think about it. I mean, we distribute as each one had need. I had no idea people needed almond milk, but I today I am so happy to call Calvary Chapel Bakersfield home because we even meet the needs of almond milk. Amen. That is a good thing. Because what is that? That's serving, right? That meets somebody's need, right? I don't know how you get milk out of an almond though. That's going (laughs) to, that's going to bug me all afternoon. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we look forward to God over the next week or so, a couple weeks as we dig into spiritual gifts and, and we study them from the scripture and we find out what they mean. And then the application, Lord, in the body of Christ today. Lord, I pray for every person here that we do believe in the gifts of your spirit that they are for today. And uh, Lord, that we would not only believe in them, but Lord, we would pursue them knowing that God, you've gifted each and every one of us. Every believer in Christ Jesus has at least one spiritual gift that Lord isn't so that we would do one thing in the body of Christ, but that Lord, together, Lord, as we come together, That your purpose, Lord, for this life would be fulfilled. That you would be glorified. That the church would be edified and built up, strengthened in love. Lord, that the lost, God, would come to salvation. They would hear the word of God. They'd be able to respond to it. And once they did, that, Lord, they could become part of a family, a body. That could minister to one another as well. And so we look forward to what you'll teach us. What you'll show us in the days ahead. Help us to study up. Lord, help us to prepare our hearts. And we do that even afresh today. God, we set ourselves apart to you. We love you. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for transforming us, God. Helping us to not be squeezed in by this world, but refusing to go with the flow and saying, I'm going to go with God. It's a good choice that we make. And we love you. We bless you. We praise you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.